Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 432 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today's show is with Katie, and Katie has two sons who have type 1 diabetes. And they were diagnosed pretty far apart. So she has an interesting perspective about being a young mother with a type 1 and a more seasoned mom with a type 1. I think you're going to really love this episode. Katie's excellent, and I really enjoyed having her on the show. Please remember while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If at some point after this you'd like to find Katie and her boys on Instagram, you can. They're bolusing underscore brothers. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. The Juicebox podcast is also sponsored by the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. You can find out more at contournext.com forward slash juicebox. Easily the most accurate and simple to use blood glucose meter that my daughter has ever had. Hi, I'm Katie. I live in Bloomington, Minnesota. I live here with my husband. We have been married for almost 10 years. Going next month, I married my high school sweetheart. We have two kids, Caleb, who is 12. He was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when he was four. And Micah, who is three, who was diagnosed about two weeks before he turned two. Okay. I'm going to write this down because there's two things happening and then I'm going to get messed up. So Caleb, and it's Caleb, right? Yep, Caleb. He's 12, diagnosed at four. Yep. And give me the second one again. Micah. Micah, who was recently diagnosed, right? Recently, yep. So it was like his one-year anniversary in January. Oh, so. wow. And how old is he now? He is three. Three. He's cute, too, just so you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming you know already, but uh, he's adorable. So I know you through Instagram. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Yep. What's your handle on Instagram? It is Bolusing Brothers. So B O L U S I N G underscore Brothers. What made you start the account? Um, I started that account after Micah was diagnosed, and I was looking to be more connected with the community, the diabetes community. Mm-hmm. I um had my own. I still have my own personal one, but that I would post things there, and a lot of my friends and people just didn't know over what I was talking about. So I figured, why not branch off and try to find a community of people who can relate to what I can do and what I know about. You initially had an account and it was, it was about you and your family. And all of a sudden you started talking about bolusing and things. And they were like, I don't, I don't know what you're saying. I don't know what this is. (laughs) I think there was a time where I posted something and I was like, at the endo's appointment, I was like, endo appointment times two. And they're like, what? Endometriosis? I was like, no, not that. (laughs) Is that what they jumped to? You have endometriosis? Oh, I was like, that's not what I meant, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) So then the other account makes sense. Um, yeah. What? So you're 
you were initially looking for contact with people. Did you find it? I did. I think after starting that, I just put like a post of my family. I was like, this is us. And I'm just looking forward to meet people. And everybody was just really welcoming. Um, it's just kind of grown from there. But I've met so many different people from all over the place when it's like I need help or if I just need to vent. It's just so much support that I just love. That's cool. That's great. So you got what you wanted out of it. Yes. And and you're giving something back, probably whether you realize it or not. Um, just kind of sharing how things are going. I want to know, I guess you're in, you're interesting because you have two kids and one's been diagnosed for so long that the technology that he started with, right, that, that Caleb started with, it's got to be different than what Micah started with. Yes, so it's kind of, oh, sorry. No, no, I was just going to say, tell me first about how it started with Caleb. So Caleb, Caleb was diagnosed, so he was four, so he was like preschool. Mm -hmm. So at that point, he was just like really, really sick for a amount of time where it kept going as like undiagnosed. Like every time he went, it was, he's got the flu, he's got this, he's got everything besides diabetes. Right. So he got to a point where... That started in like November, mm -hmm. and then by December he was really sick, to yeah. where he was lost all the weight. He's really skinny. He couldn't see straight. He was like always falling over. So he was in DK. He was in full DK. Okay, and it took about a month or five or six weeks to figure that out and go. It did. So, so you kept going back to your general practitioner, and they kept saying it's this, it's this, and trying different things. And and was the prescription always wait it out, it'll get better. Yes. Yeah. Yep. No. And it was kind of like a crazy time because my husband was working three jobs at this point and I was working two. So he was a lot with my mom. Okay. And my mom was like, I'm taking him in. I think he has diabetes. And I was like, I kind of just laughed it off that she was just like crazy. I'm like, I didn't know anything about type one. So I'm like, diabetes, are you sure? Right. And uh, crazy enough, I got a phone call while I was at work from the doctor sitting with my mom and she's like, you need to leave right now. Your son's being taken to the hospital and you need to go right wow. now. Wow. And did she say for di like For it, diabetes, yes. So, <laughs> so grandma was right. <laughs> I was going to say, were you first more shocked that your kid had to go to the hospital that your mom was right about it? <laughs> <laughs> A little bit of both. <laughs> I would love to be in that moment and in your head just to hear the like, damn it, she was right. <laughs> she, she was right. Like, what was that? Now, why does my kid, why does my four-year-old have diabetes? Like, what is that? What was your understanding of diabetes at that point? Honestly, I didn't have much of an understanding besides like type two. So or just like things associated with like diet and weight. And I'm like, well, he eats fine. He eats healthy. What, mm. what do you mean he has diabetes? I didn't have any concept of like the pancreas and everything that goes into type one. Yeah. I didn't know at all. No, I wouldn't blame you. Uh, any now in hindsight, any people in your family with other endocrine issues? Not that we know of. My husband doesn't have any. And uh, um, I only have a relationship on my mom's side. So mm -hmm. if there's anything going on my father's side, I would not. You wouldn't know. No. Yeah. Yep. I'm adopted. So uh, very frequently when people ask questions like that, I'm like, I have I have no idea. <laughs> no, I couldn't even yeah. begin to tell you. I'm, as far <laughs> as I know, the first person in my family. <laughs> <laughs> right. It starts with you. <laughs> yeah, it starts here. So, and it hasn't been a, it's not good roots to the tree so far. <laughs> <laughs> Years from now, my children's children are going to look back and go, what was wrong with him exactly? And they'll say, oh, all <laughs> kinds of things. Um, well, okay. So there's nobody to really lean on. So you're starting fresh. Um, yeah. And you and your husband have, like you said, you work a lot. So what happens then to Caleb's care? Does it go to your mom mostly? Does it fall to you? How do you handle that? Well, when he first started out in this journey, it was my mom. Mm -hmm. So I took time off. 
And I stayed with him. Like he was in the hospital for a week. So I stayed there the entire time. My husband was in and out. But when it was time to go back, he would go and be at my mom's. Okay. And so she had him during the day. Or I guess if you're working that many jobs, it's not just nine to five, right? You're. For me, it was a nine, like a nine to five. But okay. my husband, it would be a 16 hour day. So pretty long. Gotcha. Day. Okay. So he's. Oh, okay. So even when it wasn't your mom, then it was mostly you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And did it did it eventually grow, or has your husband sort of stayed? Like, like did you guys like go look? You go make money. And I'll take care of the diabetes. Or how have you broken yes. it out? Yes. Yep. So as time went on, he still kind of works a lot. Mm-hmm. He slowed down, but I only work one. So I go right now. I currently work at the same school Caleb goes to. So we go to school together. We leave school together. We're home. That's nice. Which is nice. I, I have to tell you, if I could trade sixteen hours worth of work every day to not think about diabetes, it might feel like a fair <laughs> trade to me. I'd be like, I think he gets. Is that all I have to do to get out of this? Right, he gets off a little easy. Yeah, I would, he probably doesn't think so, but I, I but he no. does. You know, that's uh, it's really interesting. But I listen. I think it's reasonable for care to be in one person's hands more than the other because of the nature of it. Just it's difficult to pass it back and forth and back and forth, and we still lose track. Just the other day, I, I I went to the store to go grocery shopping, and I came back, and I just walked in the house. I was like, does anybody see Arden's blood sugar but me? Am I the only one that sees it? Am I the only one that cares? I'm, like, flipping out like everyone obviously cares, right? And I hear, like, I didn't hear beeping. I didn't hear beeping. I'm like, it's beeping. Uh, and, and you know, and her blood sugar gets to, like, 180. It's not the worst thing in the world when we get it back down. But my wife goes, well, you didn't tell me you weren't going to pay attention to it when you left. And I thought, well, that's reasonable. You know, so she's got this idea in her head. She's working and she's thinking he's got it. And then all of a sudden I leave and just come and it felt like common sense to me. Like I'm not in the house anymore. You know, could someone else do it? But because of the share, it's not like I'm really disconnected from it. So I was like, all right, you know, I didn't say anything. You're right. And uh, so the next time I left, I was like, I'm leaving now. (laughs) (laughs) Could anyone pay attention to this besides me, please? And, you know, then everybody looked at me really like kind of snotty. So I was like, all right, I understand what's going on. Uh, But no, I I think it's a good idea. And that's mainly. So tell me about Caleb's like outcomes in those first, you know, I guess five, six, seven years in there. Were they where you wanted them to be? Where were the struggles at? And where were the, you know, where were the, the good parts? Well, when we first started out, we were doing okay. I wouldn't say we were doing great. It was I was a lot of overwhelmed with like all the information and everything, and I didn't really seem to like figure out everything that worked. Mm-hmm. But he, we went about like six months before he got on Omnipod, which was nice because he really hated the injections. Okay. That was really hard. But we went through this like spiral of just like burnout. Burnout for years. It was very unhealthy, very stressful for him and for me. His A1C, I believe, when he started out, was higher. We were able to get down to like an eight. Mm -hmm. But for at least like a good three to four years, I couldn't break anything underneath a 10. Okay. So for the first three or four years, you couldn't get under a 10. And you were working at it. Like you're not, you you weren't just like, this will be fine and not not paying attention to it. Right, right, right. So, um. Describe that a little bit. Like, what did, what did those days look like when when that was going on? You wake it up was, in the morning. Did you test right away? Like, how did it, like, seriously, like, start to finish? How did a day go? So, when it would be, like, a weekend or a day he was with me, it would be wake up, test for breakfast, test before meals. So, the directions from the doctor is test before meals, 
or if he's not feeling well. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much what I would do. So it'd be before breakfast, before lunch, before dinner, before bed. And then in between, if he didn't feel well. Did you have a feeling that this wasn't the right thing to do while it was happening? Or were you just thinking you were bad at it? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what's the feedback that what's the feedback feel like when it doesn't work? I felt like I was just bad at it. Like I have the directions from the endo and I'm doing what they're telling me to do. I'm testing, I'm correcting, mm-hmm. I'm bolusing when he's getting in or when he's eating something, but the outcome is always, he's not feeling well and he's high and the A1C is always high. So from your perspective, the only thing you can figure that's wrong is you because you're doing all the yeah. things you've been told to do. Oh, that's right. terrible. And I, and it does weigh on you, right? Like it, it yes. they, we, people call it burnout, but it's the overwhelming feeling, especially as a parent. And you know mm-hmm. what? I, maybe I'm taking that back. Whether you're an adult with type 1 or a parent of someone with type 1, it's this feeling like you're just a failure, just constantly failing and failing and failing. And, and it's got to be you because some guy in a white coat, right, like who went yeah. to school longer than you did and people call him sir and doctor and stuff like that. He told you what to do or she. I, I feel badly for you. And I felt the exact same way. I just thought this is me. I'm doing this wrong, you know. Uh, it turns out you're not though. So what was the first like light bulb moment for you that led you away from that? It wasn't until his brother was diagnosed. It came to a point like building up to when his brother was diagnosed that last like year was really tough. I had the newborn, or it wasn't a newborn, but I had a new baby, Mm -hmm. him. And it came to a point where we weren't on a Dexcom at this point quite yet. We tried a, like an earlier version of the Dexcom and he hated it. So getting him on that wasn't going to work. He wasn't convinced he didn't want to go on one ever again. And then he would eat and not bolus. He would hide it. He was sneaking food. He wouldn't test his fingers. He wouldn't do any of those things. Yeah. And so it was kind of like me trying to control diabetes in the dark. What do you think leads to the sneaking? Did you ever, does hindsight ever tell you, did you see something happening or do you think it was just the, the unrelenting, you know, this isn't working? Cause I don't know about you, but I have a hard time back in the day. I had a hard time pretending everything was okay when it obviously wasn't. And everybody knew it wasn't, you know what I mean? Right. Did, which, right. which did you go for? Did you go for, it's all fine. Don't worry about it. Or were you more honest? I was more honest. Like it really did frustrate me and I would just, tell him, I mean, if you want to eat the snack, eat the snack, but we have to do something about it. I don't know if he kind of felt like he didn't want to be bothered with it. Like this is what we're going to be doing every day. We'd go to the endo, you know, with that A1C and it was always bad news all the time. So we're always getting like beat up. I think both of us between all of that just kind of gave up. Did you, like? did you feel like he, or did you give him any perspective for what it really meant? It's so hard at that age. Like you're thinking four to nine, basically we're talking about in that range, right? Like, how does he, like, how do you tell him, like, this is really bad for your health? Like, how do kids quantify that? You know what I mean? Right. And I don't know if he fully did. I mean, we would talk about different people or different, like, outcomes that could happen or just even comparing it to how he felt. Mm-hmm. Because there'd be days where he'd wake up feeling like crap and yeah. would throw up. And all of that's just related to his blood sugars. It wasn't because he was sick. And I'm like, if you don't want to feel this way, we have to get on top of it. Wow. It's interesting. <clears throat> Interesting's the wrong word. It's overwhelming for me to hear that because, Mm -hmm. you know, I think of you now, like, I don't know you know you, but I'm aware of your face and I know what your children look like. Do you know what I mean? And, Mm -hmm. um, and we, we talk back and forth sometimes and, and to feel like your son was so, uh, high 
that he was vomiting is like is it feels crushing to me a little bit that like that happened to you you know yeah um, and and i can't imagine being in the moment because you're standing there going this is not okay and yet we don't have any real answers now do you not have answers because i don't know what i want to know like when you go back to a doctor and tell them that how do they respond to you we would go through uh, it was like kind of like re-education, but it was like the same pieces of information. Mm-hmm. But one of his um, his nurses, she her son is like a year older than Caleb, and her son is a type one. And she's like, "You really have to get this Dexcom." So it was like the newest version, and she kind of just talked him into it. Okay. And this was like leading up because at this point, this was what maybe uh, July, right before so July twenty nineteen. Okay. We were preparing for Caleb to go. He was going to go to Kenya for an entire month with okay. my husband and family. So okay. I'm staying here. Diabetes lady who manages everything is staying in the States and they're going. <laughs> <laughs> so his, the nurse was just like, you should really sign up for this. And that was like the stepping point right there was getting that prescription for mm-hmm. that. Were you out of your mind that he was going away for a month without you? Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, a little bit, I think. Yeah. I, <laughs> I would have been like, but he doesn't, he's been working. He doesn't know anything about this. And and not for nothing, I don't appear to know anything about it either. And I'm in charge. <laughs> and now he's going away. <laughs> and it was crazy because he would, my husband and my sister-in-law both came to like appointments building up to that to get mm-hmm. all their questions answered and everything tried to be squared away the best as possible for sending him. Yeah. Let me ask but. you a question that might be a little more unpleasant. Um, and don't answer it if you don't feel like you want to. But have okay. you ever cognitively thought that you're treated differently for having brown skin in a doctor's office? Do you, do you think there's the, 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 Hey, they, those people quote unquote, don't care as much about their health as other people. Cause I've heard a lot about that lately that there's, there's actually data that says that doctors might subconsciously believe that brown people don't care about their health as much. I don't know where that would come from, but have you ever seen that? I have not necessarily in Caleb's diabetes experience or even Micah's, Our endo is actually Middle Eastern and she's a very sweet lady and she gets us and understands us. But thinking back to like experiences I've had personally, I have definitely seen that. Um, For example, when um, I had Caleb, I was 20, 19, 20. And my husband and I were not married yet. And uh, when I went into labor, I feel like we're treated differently in the hospital. Caleb was born with an issue that I can't even name to this point where he had spent a week in the NICU. Okay, They kind of were like we were brushed off and people weren't giving us information. I feel like it was treated based on the fact that the way we looked, the fact that we were a young unmarried couple and the type of insurance we had. Yeah. And I remember like my sister-in-law who was a few years older than us, like going in and like yelling at these nurses and yelling at the doctors, like about this issue and how they're addressing and treating us. That's a tough, I mean, that is, you were like 20 years old. That's a tough yeah. age. I, I don't know how to stand up for yourself when you're 20 in that no. scenario. You, you know what I mean? Like you need kind people to say, like, it's so simple, isn't it? Right. To look and say, look, there's some unmarried young people here having a baby who's come out and it's having an issue. We mm-hmm. could, we could lift them up here. You know what I mean? Like we could be right. like common sense voices for them. We could point them in the right direction, but it, how much of that feeling of, oh, we're being treated differently, I wonder, is you really being treated differently? And how much of it is you feeling like that imposter syndrome, like you don't feel like you belong there? Because I've had that feeling in my life, too. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. my wife and I got married pretty young, 
And I remember being in a furniture store and we had an apartment and we wanted a sofa and we had money for a sofa. And we stood and stood and salespeople just walked past us and walked past us. And no lie, I've never told this anywhere before. I took out my credit card and held it up over my head and said, I have money and I'd like to buy a sofa. Can someone help me? That's Mm -hmm. literally how I got somebody to help me buy a sofa. And I don't have any issue with my color uh, that, you know, in that way. And it was really, um, it was crazy. I was like, oh my God, they don't assume I'm serious. Do do you know what I mean? Like that, or, or that I don't, I don't know what they didn't think, but they just avoided us like the plague. It was, it was, you know, not the same thing, but I remember feeling then moving forward that we weren't serious players in like an adult life, if that makes sense. Um, and it takes a while to get past that then, especially if people are going to keep treating you that way. I just, I, I was really, um, I was really interested and I'm glad to hear it, it doesn't exist with your endo, but your endo also has a different perspective, I guess. Yes. Um, that's, yeah. that's really something. And I, I wonder if it happens despite the color of the doctor. Like, I wonder if it's a, a systemic issue. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that's mm-hmm. the feeling. I don't know. That's very strange. Now, did you ever feel like you weren't interested in your own health? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, not at all. Like if I'm there and I'm paying for this, like, no, that's not it. Right. Right. You're not disinterested. Right. So, okay. um, so the key here, it seems to me is that somebody on the other end, no matter what the scenario is, has to have the compassion to walk you through something, mm-hmm. no matter who you are on the other side of it. You, you know, right. I, I mean, your interest level, like, because there, there are people who are just overwhelmed and decide to write off their health because they don't feel like they can do it. But you could reach those people if you worked at it and tried, I think. Yes, um, I agree. And so what was it? Was it seeing the Dexcom? Is that what brought things into focus for you? Seeing data? Gvoke Hypopen has no visible needle and is the first pre-mixed auto-injector of glucagon for very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes, ages 2 and above. Not only is Gvoke Hypopen simple to administer, but it's simple to learn more about. All you have to do is go to gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. Gvoke shouldn't be used in patients with insulinoma or pheochromocytoma. Visit gvokeglucagon.com slash risk. When you're using a blood glucose meter, you want it to be accurate. You want it to be easy to use, easy to read, and easy to see in the dark. And if you had a Contour Next One blood glucose meter, you would have all of those things. Arden has never used a meter that is so accurate or so simple to carry with you. It's tiny, but not so small that you can't hold it. It's simple, but yet does everything you need it to do. And if you want, it can connect to your phone by Bluetooth, and you can use the Contour app to do even more. But you can find out about that at contournext.com forward slash juice box. While you're there, you'll also be able to find out about their other products, their test strip, savings program and you may even be eligible for a free contour next one meter you'll find out when you get there at contournext.com forward slash juice box you too can simply and affordably use the best meter that arden has ever had and last but not least to support type 1 diabetes research and studies that are helpful to people 
living with type one, including you. All you have to do is be a U.S. citizen and have type one or a U.S. citizen who is the caregiver of a person with type one. And in just a few minutes, you can add incredibly important answers to simple and easy questions right there from your sofa, right on your phone or your tablet and help type one diabetes research to move forward. T1D exchange forward slash juice box. All right, let's get back to Katie. Seeing the data for Caleb started putting in focus, seeing that what's going on in between those checks or even when he wasn't checking. Okay. But it was still a problem. Still a problem. We had a problem, but it was like a problem from the time where he was at my house to the time he left. So problem at home, problem at grandma's, problem at school. School is a big issue. Mm -hmm. The nurse throughout elementary, that was an awful, awful Experience. experience. So just like seeing all of that building up, we were already like in a tense mess when his younger brother was diagnosed. Wow. So you, th- you slapped the CGM on him to go on the trip. I do think I want to find out how the trip went, but, but, but now you see everything that's happening. Now it's not just this random mess. It's an actual mess you can look at, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then your other kid gets diagnosed. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did they make it to Kenya? They did, but Kim was not on the Dexcom yet. Okay, he didn't actually trip. get on like approved through everything until so we started that process in July. I see. July. And he didn't get that Dexcom till December. Okay. So the trip had happened in between then. So it was really just mm-hmm. business as usual while he was yeah. away. Wow. Yeah. Um pumping or injections? Pumping stuff. So we've been on the Omnipod consistently since six months into his diagnosis. Right. And 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 so and I don't mean this as a judgment, I really am asking. At any point, did it feel to you prior to Dexcom, his blood sugar's high, insulin makes you lower, he should have more insulin? Did that ever, like... It did, it did. But I had this constant fear of insulin. Like, I always drilled in my head that if I give him too much, my kid's going to die. Or he's going to have a seizure, I'm going to have to dig out the the glucagon and Mm -hmm. give him a shot. I was really afraid to give him too much or even change the settings in that pump. So the fear got you. Mm-hmm. That's reasonable. Happens to a lot of people. And so were you trading? So you weren't unaware of what high A1Cs and high blood sugars were going to do to him long term. You were aware of that as well? Yes. Okay. Yes. So you were just sort of trading. One for the other. One for the other. Yeah. Like I, I always think of it. I know this is like morbid, but I always think of people who jump out of uh, windows to avoid fires. Right. You know, like just you're sort of like, well, this is going to kill me now and this is going to kill me later. I'm going to go with later. And, you know, yes. and it's just a it's a I, I bring it up because I think that people could see it as um, an excuse, but it's a coping mechanism and a, and a survival instinct. Right. You know, mm-hmm. it, it really is. Um, and so fears is good enough reason as any. So, OK, so how did the data stop you from being afraid? It did it. <laughs> I, I mean, because like I would, I would call and I would ask, and I was constantly emailing his team, and it was always correct two hours, correct two hours. So mm-hmm. I'm doing that, thinking that I'm making a difference, right? But I'm not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just kind of like a whole bunch of series of events that led us to making the change. I think that there was that, but then. Caleb was also right around the same time where Michael was diagnosed. Caleb was scheduled to do a GI stem test Mm -hmm. because he hadn't grown in about two years. Okay. So no weight, no height, just kind of plateaued at the same. Yeah. 
And it's funny. So they want to do a what test then? It's called a G- GH stem test, growth hormone stimulation test. I would think they would want to give him more insulin so that he yes. could grow up. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But I hear you. Uh, so that test happens. I'm assuming that led to what? Nothing. Led to, there was nothing wrong. Yeah. It's right. diabetes. Yeah. What, I mean, it's, op- like, I don't know if people don't understand this or not, but, you know, you need that insulin. That's important. Mm-hmm. And it slows down other functions of your body. And if you look back, I don't know any of the details around this, so I'm going to not use any of the words. But a long time ago, people who had diabetes would not, they would call it not thrive, right? Like they wouldn't mm-hmm. grow or gain weight or anything like that. But it really just was, they didn't have enough insulin, you, you know? Um, wow. That how, So how big was he then when you got that test? Do you remember? Um, I don't, it's kind of black, but he's, he was about, he's shorter than he is now. Okay. Let's say that he's, he's put on a good, like six pounds since then, since we kind of made a turnaround and he's, he's definitely put on height. Okay. And in how much time? Um, so if we go back to when we actually started like making big changes, it's about a year. Okay. Let me share this with you. It's going to come up in an episode eventually, but I don't think I've ever said it anywhere. <clears throat> when we found out Arden had hypothyroidism, so mm-hmm. she wasn't getting enough, you know, um, of the hormone that she needed from her thyroid. Arden was five feet. Was she five one or two and weighed 75 or 80 pounds? And now I think we're three years later. Arden is 5'7", 130. Wow. And I think if we don't figure out that she has hypothyroidism, she doesn't get a chance to grow, right? Right. And I just, I listen, I'm obviously not a doctor, but it seems to me that when your body is struggling like that, other systems close down, you you Mm -hmm. know, and and that's it. And I can't even tell you, she's one of the tallest girls in her school. Wow. You know, and she was one of the smallest people you'd ever met in your life. Like, no lie. Uh, she was out recently. Well, before all this, she was out with my wife in a store. Now, my wife said she bumped into somebody who used to coach Arden in softball and they're chatting. And while they're talking, Arden realizes what's happening and walks up behind my wife, sort of stands over her shoulder, but doesn't interject. She just stands behind her. And Kelly said that the conversation went on for minutes after that until the guy went, oh, my God, is that Arden? And she was <laughs> taller than the guy. And like this grown man, and he had, he's like, I had no, he said, I just kept thinking, I wonder why this person's standing behind her while we're talking. Didn't even wow. know it was her. So I'm excited to see, you know, where your, where your son gets to. It's, yeah. it's exciting. Are you bigger people? Like, are you tall or? Um, I'm about five, four. And I think my husband's like five, eight. So we're not the tallest, but right. it'd be nice to see if he gets Somewhere closer, even taller than us. Yeah, I think the goal actually at that range, like the goal ends up being right, like five seven, five eight, and then if they're yeah. going to be tall for your family, could get to five ten, something like that. That would be nice. I know my son's pissed that he's not taller and blames me. <laughs> <laughs> I know he's. I know he looks at me and he thinks it, it's his fault. It's your fault. My <laughs> wife is tall, and all the men on her side of the family are very tall, so he's probably right. But again, I'm adopted, so I I could just say it's not me. It's somebody else that we don't know um okay so i want to try to get the idea straight here a little bit okay um as you're trying to figure out dexcom Mm -hmm. and you're starting to get the information back with caleb 
Yeah. Micah comes online as a type one as well. Yes. Is it the, I can't do this, the two of them feeling like what really like propelled you forward? Do you think, do you think you just took you a little while to figure out the Dexcom? Is it a weird coincidence that they happen at the same time or no? No. Well, with Micah, we had him tested through trial net. Okay. So, so, you knew. so I knew, so we were playing the waiting game for almost, almost a year. It didn't even, even reach the year point. Okay. We were testing him on a weekly basis. So building up with all these background things with Caleb happening, we were just playing waiting with Micah. So when Micah, I noticed his blood sugar took one, like fasting one, it was like 200. Mm-hmm. I immediately knew yeah. something was, yeah. some was up. So we got into Caleb's endo and she pretty much told me, you know, you have a year. You have about a year with the, with all those antibodies, you have about a year before he gets it. Mm-hmm. So the waiting game goes on that 200, they diagnose him that day, which is really weird because we are seeing an endo that Caleb used to see when he was diagnosed, the same endo we've seen him in, seen in the hospital. Okay. And that endo was the one we were squeezed in to see for Micah. And after they ran the A1C, I think Micah's A1C was uh, like a nine. Mm. So I, like I didn't need the doctor to come in and tell me yeah. anything. At that point, we could have went home, <laughs> but <laughs> we're good. We're good. I uh, know yeah. it's going to go here. cry for a little bit, and then we'll get yes. going. <laughs> yep. So, but it was January seventeenth. The same doctor, not in the hospital, but in the clinic, telling me that Micah had it, which is the same day and doctor that told me that Caleb had it. Mm. So it's like this little deja what, vu moment. Wait, wait, the same day. Like same Jan- day. January seventeenth. January seventeenth. 2019 versus 2013. Wow. Same doctor, which we don't even see on a regular basis ever. Anymore. That's weird. If I was you, I would never go into a hospital on that date again. <laughs> no. <laughs> For any the day reason. Is cursed. <laughs> like, I got shot. I'm like, I'm waiting until tomorrow. <laughs> it's got to be a different day. <laughs> Nothing good's going to happen on this date and anywhere near a doctor. Oh, my God. No. I'm so sorry. That's terrible. Yeah. Well, okay. So his is a nine. Caleb's is still high. Caleb's like 11 or even like a 12 at this point. He's wow. re- he's going up. The other way. Because he's starting way. to sneak food around you and mm-hmm. everything. So you're not even able to keep it where you were keeping it. I got keeping it. it. Okay. No. And then I remember I had to continue work that day. We were short staff. I came home after picking up Micah's new prescriptions, mm-hmm. gave him his Lantus, and he's screaming and he's crying at this point, which I don't blame him. You yeah. know, it's a whole different thing and then I turn around to go in the kitchen and there's Caleb eating dinner without no bolus, no checking anything, and it just set me off. Uh-oh. I remember looking at him and I kind of lashed out a little bit. I just remember telling him like this is what you're gonna teach your brother. This is what we're gonna do. Are we gonna do this for the rest of your life? For my life, for his life. This is what we're gonna do. And yeah. I remember handing Micah off to my husband and I was like, I can't do this. And I went down into the bathroom and I closed the door and I turned on the ceiling fan and I just cried. Like I curled up on the ball and had like a good, ugly cry. It wasn't even like a, it was like a full breakdown. I think at that point I just snapped like everything I had snapped. And I think that went on for like a good 30 to 40 minutes. And then I, that was just like that aha moment. Like I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going to start it with Micah and I'm not doing this with Caleb. Okay. And that was the moment when I, wanted to take an initiative that if I wasn't going to get help through the doctor, mm-hmm. like I was going to go and look and find it for myself. So I'm wondering, do you think that you just reset an expectation? Like this I is what so. we're going to do. 
And I'm wondering too, how much of that, because if I'm, I'm not sure how well I'm doing the math here, but if Caleb's 12, how old are you? I'm 32. So you had him when you were 20. Mm-hmm. So you would agree now at 32, you were a kid when you were 20, right? Yes. Yeah. Fully not mature quite yet there, I don't think. So is it possible that you start being a parent not as an adult and then it feels more like a collaboration? Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's yes. this moment when you have to – like, I, I use my son as an example. He's a nice kid and he's bright, and but sometimes he's gruff and mm-hmm. and short. And I let him do that because it's who he is. But every once in a while, I'll be like, hey, I, I, what are you doing right now? Like, right. talk nice. And he's not like that all the time. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's every once in a while. It ends up being, honestly, if he's exhausted or tired or he's just played for hours, you can't walk up to him afterwards and say, hey, how'd it go today? Because he's going to be like, you know? But and most yeah. of the time, I understand that. But but every once in a while, I stop and I go, no, no, we, this is not how we talk to each other. And forget me. Don't talk to people this way. I'm like, you're going to end up with some girl who will put up with this. And that's not going to be good for you because nobody should put up with this. Like, talk, mm-hmm. you know, speak. And and I think there's just a moment when you you feel you feel like your job, I felt like my job was making my kids happy when I first had them. And then as you get older, you realize your job really is to direct them and to and to do the thinking for them that they can't do. And I just wondered if you got trapped in that. In the beginning, I think so. you know, I, I think so. I think because I, me and my husband joke that like Micah and Caleb have two different lives, like two different parenting experiences. Yeah. And I think when Caleb was little, like I just wanted to make him happy. And uh, I think I didn't put my feet down as much. Yeah. Like I should have. Well, it's it, Caleb got like the, oh, wow. You got pregnant parents. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And and Micah got that. Hey, this is working out, and we're gonna have another baby. Parents, and yes. we're gonna stay married and make a family. Those people, right? Yeah. Now, it, it, you don't see that about yourself when you're young, and you're and you and that's happening to you. You think, oh, we have a family now, but really, everyone else is looking at you, going, "I wonder how long this will last." You, you, you know, <laughs> exactly. and 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 for most people, it doesn't last very long, and you just mm-hmm. end up being too, you know intelligent, right. reasonable people who want to make a family and keep doing it. That's mm-hmm. really interesting. Don't have a third baby. Oh, no, we're done. No. That kid will <laughs> get done. like, that kid will get like old, tired you. It's just like, I don't <laughs> care what happens. Just raise yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, yeah. And so, so you, you basically walked up to Caleb while he was eating and said, we can't do this. This isn't what we're going to show your brother. You went and, and did what you did. I know I've been on the other side of that before. Those three boys sat in that kitchen. They were like this. Uh oh. Yeah. (laughs) She she seems really upset. Did you come back more of a, I don't know, fierce? How did you come back up the steps? I guess I came back. I was actually calm and I was like, we're going to try something new. I don't know what that is, but we're going to do it. And I think Caleb was just scared. So he's like, okay. (laughs) i don't need her getting into this and being upset and yelling at me so i'll just do whatever she says but isn't that interesting because at any point along the road and i guess you've had to live with that at any point Mm -hmm. along the road you could have done that you could have done this yeah but it took this other thing to happen yeah it's kind of like in a way i know it sounds awful but i feel like micah things happen for a reason and maybe it took micah getting that diabetes to shake shake me 
shake me awake to yeah. take that control. Well, I mean, at those A1Cs, if, if you want to use that analogy, his diagnosis could very well have saved Caleb's life, honestly, you, mm-hmm. you know, because you guys weren't, you weren't getting it. And then you got the no. CGM and you had that, you had that very, there's, um, some people talk about getting a glucose monitor, them being overwhelmed by the, the information. Is that how you felt mm-hmm. at first? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And that's because you didn't have any tools. You didn't know what to do with the data once you had it. Right. right. Yeah. That's, that, that really is, that's still a gap, right? Like you can't, you can't just be, have all this thrown at you suddenly because you're already struggling. Now you're struggling mm-hmm. with numbers you don't understand. That's not yeah. good. You know, well, what did you, all right, well, what did you go figure out? It's time to find out. So at this point, what we're in January, January, I started just like looking at things. So in my head, I was like, I can control his blood sugar if I limit the carbon intake. Okay. So I was starting to look up like different things about, I didn't fully consider doing like keto or super low carb, but I started challenging Caleb to have less carbs, especially during the day. So when he is not with me, let's put a cap on how much he's eating for lunch or cause my mom would pack his lunch. Mm-hmm. So I would talk to her about what, what's in his lunch today. Can we keep it under 40 grams of carbs? Right. What about breakfast? So we started there and I started seeing a small difference, but it wasn't slight. So maybe he was hanging around 300s. Now he's hanging around. 250 okay funny but still a move it's a move yeah a little cause and effect you're saying at least mm-hmm. and then i remember like going on pinterest i think it was pinterest and i was looking up different recipes and i came up a gr- like a different group i don't quite remember which group it is but they're very like intense about being very low carb and <laughs> they're very diabetes. intense about being very, very low carb <laughs> <laughs> and i was like well maybe i could try this but in my head i was like if i push caleb this way this could have a negative effect because mm. he's already at an edge. I don't want to take away food and things and have him have another negative relationship with the diabetes. Well, this was just too far the other way. This was yes. here, eat an egg. Now don't eat anything. Have a sprig right. of lettuce. Like it was. Yes. Okay. And then when I'm so, so I'm searching up these recipes, I had an ad or like a picture of someone posted of your podcast. Oh, cool. This is the part so, I love. These are my favorite parts of the podcast. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm just so kidding. I, <laughs> I saved it. I saved it under a little, little board thing I had for diabetes. And I kept it moving for like a couple more weeks. But I was I had idle time, which I usually didn't have much, especially while Micah was like smaller. Okay. And I turned it on and I had listened. I think it was your most recent episode at that time. I think it was Katie and the Old Man. Okay. And listening to this teenage girl talk about how well she was managing her diabetes while well, I'm over here struggling as like a 30 year old woman. <laughs> Did it, it make you mad? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I was so happy for her, but I was like a light bulb went off. It's like people actually can do this and they're living and thriving. Their story isn't my story. Right. So something's up. Yeah. How do I make this match better and make it make sense? Hey, yeah. in that episode, I was the old man, right? Yes. Okay. I, could, I seriously couldn't remember for a second. I was like, did we do like an interview with her and a father or something like that? No. I wouldn't call someone else old. This must have been about me. Um, I, I really, but it's interesting that that had so much impact on you. And as you were talking about it, I thought, I don't remember. The, uh, all I can tell you is that from the title, I must have listened mm-hmm. to it and felt like an old person talking to a young person. And that's why I called it that. Uh, and, uh, but she did a, a remarkable job of, of handling herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that made you think like, how if this kid can do it, like, what am I doing? Like, I got to be able to do this, right? Don't you right. think she'll well, she, be thrilled to hear that when this comes out one day? She'll be like, oh, look what I did! Yeah, it, it, you know, so oh, that's very cool. Um, and so, 
did you delve in then? Did you start I listening didn't. from live? Did you go back? What'd you do? I started, so I, my thought process, I was going to start from the latest and then go backwards. Okay. But I remember I messaged you and I was like, hey, I just discovered your podcast and I laid out my situation a little bit and then you messaged me back, which I was shocked because I was like, podcast people message people back. This is a thing. Like, I remember your story making me feel very sad, which is what got me back <laughs> to you so quickly. And yeah. here's the trick for people, if you must know, uh, children with big A1Cs or adults that sound like they're about to you know, close their eyes and fall off a cliff. Uh, That gets me pretty right in the heart, just so you know. So, okay. So, okay. Well, then what? And that was me. Both of those things were me. Oh, you were everybody. I was like. (laughs) (laughs) You're a bit of a mess is what we're saying. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And then I remember you shot me a message and you said, start with these episodes. So that's where I started. Okay. So it was the different pro tips ones that you had at that point. And then like the ones about like insulin and just like resetting. Mm Mm-hmm. So I started there and I started taking notes. But the one thing you had said that will just make like a bit of a difference was pre-bolusing. So as soon as I got that message, that's what we did. Immediately that day was starting the pre-bolusing. Okay. 20 minutes set a timer. Micah's is 10 because he eats slower as a turtle. But doing that. And then I just remember having a conversation with Caleb. I was like, hey, we have nothing to lose. This was about spring break for school at this point. I was like, give me a week. See how you feel. See if it's something we can do. And just trust me. Do you trust me? Right. And he said he did. Cool. And within that week, we had seen numbers from that 250s, inch closer to that 200s to higher 100s. Mm-hmm. And to him, that was like a win. Yeah. Right? We're making process. So he, we were all in at that point. Cool. He must have felt low. Did he start feeling low at like 150? Yes. Yeah. So that was another thing. I was, the conversations are just like, just try to tough it out. I know it's just your body adjusting. We just have to give it time. If it gets out of control, then we'll worry about getting some carbs in there. But that's really cool. Yeah. It took a while for him to get that adjustment to be able to sit at like 80 and feel okay. Right. Well, I mean, there's so much to it. Like you can say the steps. I think it's why the mm-hmm. podcast is is valuable is because it's easy to say. Like I'll, I'll tell you right now, like here it is. Get your basal right. Then pre bolus, then learn about glycemic index and glycemic. Yeah. There you go. You're done. Right. And so right. the problem is, is that there's a lot around those three ideas. And it's not as easy as just being told, you know, it it's not, hey, listen, here's the steps for getting out of this room. Stand up, turn the knob, pull the door towards you. Like it it is that, but you know, that you can you can imagine when someone says to you. Um, okay, so you started pre bolusing. He went from like into the higher hundreds. Mm-hmm. That gets you excited. And you yes. were like, what do we do? So what was the next step? What did you keep doing? What do we do? So then I was listening to like the basils. And so that was a scary moment for me, right? Because I already had a few of insulin. So I'm going to change something. In the set. I've never changed anything in the pump mm. without the doctors. So I remember listening to that episode and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I don't think it's going to kill him. So I'm just going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and once I started this, like that, that basil pro tip episode made all of the difference. Micah was a little bit easier. He was still honeymooning, so his was a little bit easier to get down. Mm-hmm. But Caleb's, I would set the basil. I'd watch it for a couple of days, study it, and make changes. And within, like, a month, month and a half, we would see such a big difference in, like, his clarity app. Yeah. I remember there was one day we had, like, a family get together. I think this was June. So by June, where he had hit, like, 98% in range. Wow. And what's your range set at again? For him... We had it set from 70 to 140. Wow, that's really great. 
that's exciting. Wow. Good job. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> Thank <laughs> My you. Gosh. How did Caleb feel once his blood sugar got low and stable? He was fine. And he was so excited. Like he would be so proud that that was it. And then you would see some of the other things that came with those high blood sugars start to disappear. Mm-hmm. So like he used to be really aggressive or kind of short. Um, I can't say for school cause that was summertime, but as we went into the fall, like his focus, his grades, his things, everything about him changed. Okay. Just to end and for the better in your mind? For the better. Okay. For the better. Way better. Whole I, different kid. I know that I once got this um private note from a woman and it in the course of the note, she she admitted that I used to just think my daughter was a bitch. Those were her words. And yeah. um and she's like, and she's not. And you know, it took me it took me finding a podcast to figure that out. And, um, you know, that, and I always think of that because I feel like, like, you know, just for the same for you, like you could have had a relationship with your son for his whole life where he's not really being himself and you feel mm-hmm. like this is who he is, you, you know, and that's just, that's unfair on a, on it is. just every level. Um, wow. Uh, what did the doctor say? <laughs> So what did we see? So we didn't see her. I seen her right before we had started the journey. And then we seen her in August. So I'm off for the summer. So we worked this entire summer portion working on getting it down. Mm-hmm. And I remember we went in and then they ran Micah's first. And I think what Michael was like a six. So he went from like the nine to a six. Yeah. And then Caleb's came in and I think he was what, like a seven. Wow. He was he was down there. And then like the he started, he lit up instantly yeah. when because that's the first part we start is they take the A1C, then they take you off to the wait for the doctor. Right, right. Yeah, that's how ours does it too. And so when the doctor came in, like she was smiling. And she was just like, I had to make sure that when I printed this out that I had the right last names on here. Because <laughs> this is not what I see. Right. And so she's like, I double checked a few times before I came in to make sure that I had printed out the right graphs. Right, right. I have to tell you, um, hold on one second. My, do- My wife's asking me a question. Sorry. Um, okay. So I get the the Micah thing. She might have seen that and just been like, oh, the kid's honeymooning. This mm-hmm. is reasonable. But she sees Caleb's. And is, is he from an 11 to a 7 or a 10 to a yeah. 7? Wow. So it was about 11. Yeah. So did you get the the talk? Like you're making him low a lot talk? Is that the next No, no she, was she just actually was like on board. She's like, what are you doing? Tell me everything. What what changed? Wow. What changed? Because really cool. the last time I seen you, you were struggling. We were getting right. Like I was setting up an appointment to see like the diabetic psychiatrist through everything. Like you were in a whole different space. What's going on? They were going to send him to a psychiatrist? Like our for just therapy? our family, like the for therapy for like burnout because we were just not getting anywhere. Right. Wow. And geez, you you were close. See, it's interesting because you were close to. If you go to therapy, then not that you shouldn't have, mm-hmm. but if you do, now that's like now you've said this is the problem, right? Like yep. we burn out, it, we can't do this. That's a problem. This problem needs to be fixed. And you start putting effort into fixing what you think is the problem. But the problem is just a side effect of not understanding how the insulin works. Right? Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. You were close to falling off a cliff there that you might not have gotten back up from. That's really interesting. Wow. This makes me feel nice. I'm happy for you. Yes. You should. (laughs) No, no, no. This is very good. Um, 
Wow, wow, wow. How long ago was that? So that was, so that initial one, that was last August. But like this last, we had a telehealth one. What was it? In March. Okay. Caleb is at, uh, oh my gosh, 5.8. Wow. And it's come to a point now where when she comes in, for the thing she asked me, is it okay if you want to change this basal rate? I've <laughs> never been asked you. if it's okay. If, <laughs> are you okay if we change these things? Okay, let me just ask you your thoughts on this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, she a little bit has to be, I don't want to say embarrassed, right? But there's got to be a part of her that's got to be like, wow. <laughs> right. It's, it's funny because she's, she's like, I wish I could just bottle up what you do and give it to my other patients. And I was like, suggest the podcast. Yeah. Tell her I can. Tell her come up and sit in a corner. I'll tell them for her if she wants. <laughs> um, yeah. Seriously, I like that. That makes me feel like I would love to. I would love to be able to do that. I would love there to be a talk at a hospital, and I could just give that first hour, answer some questions, and then point people towards the episodes that would support it. I don't think that everybody would get it get it right away, but I don't think that that many people would not get something from it you, you know what i mean mm-hmm. and you're always very kind online um like saying like tagging me and stuff and i really appreciate that and it's because it gets then i get to watch like you just talked about your son had diabetes basically for eight years for seven of them he's it's just a disaster like it really is yeah. and things are going completely wrong you take the bull by the horns when when mike is diagnosed and really you change everything like it's easy to sit here and be like the podcast the podcast but you decided to do something and then you found something it could have been something else like you could easily be you know somewhere else right now saying like oh thank you i mean obviously right this is the best place that's not what i'm saying but um but it, it as long as you find something that's that's really wonderful do you i i want to know how it's changed your life um like personally personally at first i was a little stressed because i was constantly kind of obsessing over looking at everything but now i feel like even though diabetes is such a big part of my life mm-hmm. with two diabetics and everything that goes into it i don't think about it as hard yeah like when i see a blood sugar rising it doesn't stress me out as much because i know i can get it back right i know that even if because there's days like i'm not a super ninja yet there's days where Caleb might get to a 200 if I didn't know something. But instead of being that old person that I was where I would wait two hours, like I know I can get it back and I know I can get it back quickly. Yeah. Arden's blood sugar goes up and down and we deal with it the way we deal with it, you know, as mm-hmm. best we can. Last night, um, you know, we're all just sort of, it feels like we're all just laying around the house at this point, you know? Um, <laughs> so um, like both of my wife and I are able to work from home, which is really lucky. Um, and you know, Arden's it's summer vacation now. So last night, I think I said around like seven o'clock, I, I think our washer's going, which is just, oh no. So I had this conversation with my son where he's like, what's the big deal? I'm like, you don't understand. Like, no one wants to buy a washing machine. It's just the saddest no. thing to do with your money, you, you know? Um, <laughs> but I, I felt like I had to go out to a store to, to look at a couple of them. I tried to do it online as best I could. So I left and Kelly's like, would you grab some soup and bring soup back for everybody? And I was like, yeah, whatever. So I brought the soup back and Arden's blood sugar was great. Like for a long time, you know, after the meal and everything. But she started to get low later at night. Like I think 1130, she started dipping down. We thought we stopped it, but we didn't. 
Um, and so we were kind of trying to uh, just nudge it with some carbs, but we were trying not to give her too much. And then finally, she had to have a few more. So there was a, a moment in there. Her blood sugar kind of dipped down into the 60s, and we got it back up. And now I'm trying to get it back up without it getting you know high. And I did. And I can remember being you and thinking, oh, great, she's low. And now she's going to be high, and I'm going to be up all night. And then that yeah. all starts to like build on itself, and you you get upset and anxious. And then there's no way they don't feel that. Y- y- you know. Um, mm-hmm. But last night, I was just like, try- we were joking around. Like, you know, and, and fixing her blood sugar. She asked me for a little ice cream. She's like little frozen ice cream cones. They're probably not really ice cream, but you know what I mean? They're, <laughs> they're in the freezer. And um, we came, I came up and the, the, the top of the roundness of the cone was offset on the cone itself. So it was way off to the side. And I handed it to her and she said, my ice cream cone appears to have spina bifida. And I went, what? <laughs> and, and, and then we like, I was like, well, there's something up with it. And like, we we're like nudging the top of it back again to the center. And then she ate it and leveled out exactly where I thought. And, you know, her blood sugar is 103 right now, 12 hours later. So uh, it does get easier once you have enough experiences over and over again. So you really feel like you're sort of in the beginning of it, but you're doing, did you ever limit carbs? Like you're talking about A1Cs and the fives. Um, so no, I don't like when we did that plan, I kind of let it go. Cause I felt like he was pushing back. So he eats what he wants to eat. Wow. That's so cool. And he can maintain yeah. this with grandma just as easily as. Yes. Okay. Cause well now at this point, like he's, he doesn't go to grandma so much anymore. Cause he's now in middle school and I work at the same school. So we go and we leave together. I see. So it's a lot of text communication and Micah goes to daycare. So when well pre-covid he went to daycare yeah but she'll text me and sometimes he'll kind of a little but for the most part it's not that bad so you were able to handle it with daycare too did you text with them Mm -hmm. is that how you handled it yeah so she'll text me back and forth or grandma does when she's got him too because he kind of splits between a couple days a week daycare a couple days with grandma got it dex um dexcom's amazing omnipod's amazing I love Arden's meter. You know, I that's why they're all advertisers. But if I could take text messaging as an advertiser, I would tell you that it's, it's an amazing diabetes tool. It's just being able to text with somebody and have um, more immediate interactions so that you can kind of stay fluid with the blood sugar while it's doing what it's doing. It's trying to be variable and you can stay with it. I'm very happy for you. Thank is cool. you. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you wanted to? This was really great. You were nervous, right? I was nervous. I, it's kind of funny. I don't do well talking to adults, even though I work with middle schoolers and they're super judgy and I'm fine with that. <laughs> do you imagine but, this means that I'm not really an adult? Because no, you seem, not at you all. seem perfectly comfortable <laughs> while we were doing this. I, I realize what you're saying and I hear you. I'm, uh, I'm sort of like a child. Uh, no, seriously. Did we miss anything? I don't think so. I just would just say that, you know, if you feel like you're in that spot of burnout, just get help. I feel like I should have gotten help a long time ago before all of this. But once again, everything happens for a reason. And yeah. I guess where well, we're at now. I have to agree with you, I guess. Wherever, when you're struggling, I was saying the other day to some, by the way, the entire time we've been doing this, uh, I've been looking at Katie and there's a giant trolls doll behind you. And I have yes! not been able to not see it for like an hour. <laughs> At first, I was just like, what is that? And then I started figuring yeah. out, I'm like, but it looks huge. Is it huge? It is huge. This is our random room down here. And it's an office and a toy storage place. <laughs> it's really big. <laughs> and the sun's coming through the window. It's hair's all lit up and everything. 
<laughs> it was funny because it was just storming a little bit before we got on. It right. was bl- like pitch dark and thunderstorming. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. I was what I was going to say is that I really believe. Obviously, nobody's perfect in mm-hmm. any walk of life, right? So while you're running around day to day feeling like I'm doing great, there are things you're doing that are not right. Right. Like there, or they could be better. Or, you know, I, I sometimes think, you know, in interpersonal relationships, you feel like, oh, we're good. But the other person might be thinking something and there's a better, maybe there's better than what good is. And we don't know. We get really comfortable with where we are. It's hard to talk to people. It's hard to ask for help. Um, but this is just, it's such a big deal. Like you can't, you really just can't ignore things and, and be. And, you know, your numbers are bigger. So they sound, kind of more crazy 10 and 11 or whatnot but the truth is is that if your a1c sitting at i don't know at an eight or seven and a half like you there's better and it's not that it's not it's not any harder to be seven and a half or eight and a half it's no you know it's it's not it's not a ton more work to be six and a half versus seven and a half like i mean look at you you're in the fives from 10 it's it's insane i really I don't even know what to say. Like when you said that, it's crazy. Congratulations, I guess. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I would have never thought that we would be here. So it's such a good feeling to know that we can do it. And then as my boys get older, that they'll be able to do it. I'm glad. I'm really glad for all of you. I'm, I hope we stay in touch over the years. Cause I'd like to know, I'd like to yes. maybe get one of the, get, get one of those kids older and get them on the podcast in a couple of years. And, uh, I'd love to sure. know about that. It's really interesting. It really is. Can you hang on for a second? I have a question for you that has nothing to do with this podcast. Okay. You're good? So thanks so much yeah. for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Of course. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that G-V-O-K-E. G-L-U-C-A-G-O-N dot com forward slash juice box. And of course, the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. Check them out with the links that are in your show notes of your podcast player, or there's links at juiceboxpodcast.com. If you can't remember, contournext.com forward slash juice box. And of course, that T1D exchange is at t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. Thank you so much for choosing the juice box podcast. I'll be back soon with more episodes just for you. And a special shout out to all of you that take the time to put up those great reviews and ratings wherever you're listening. And of course, a special, special thanks to everyone who shares the show with someone else. You're helping it to grow every day. It's absolutely fantastic of you to do. And I could never say thank you enough.